You're listening to a podcast brought to you by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins, combining market sector thought leadership, advice, and ideas, helping businesses and governments prepare for the future. Welcome to our Responsible Business podcast series, putting people and planet at the heart of business. In this edition, we will discuss ESG and the role of HR with Lisa Rickman Orpen, HR Director at the Audley Group. I'm Nikola Rinatovic, and I'm a partner specialising in employment law and head of social impact at Trowers and Hamlins. Lisa and I did one of our Trowers Tuesday webinars together in November uh, 2022, and we had such a good time talking about HR and ESG that we decided that doing a podcast on the topic would be a fantastic idea as well. Uh, Welcome, Lisa. It's great to have you today. Thank you, Nicola. It's a pleasure. So Lisa is currently, at the time of recording, People Director at Audley Group. Uh, where she's been since 2017. Uh, She's had a 25-year career as an HR professional across multiple industries, including eight years in the social care sector. Um, With responsibility for Audley's human resource strategy, Lisa leads talent acquisition, reward, HR technology and HR operations. Lisa also joined the board in February 2020 and took the lead on ESG and 2022, the care operations across the Audley group. So, not a small role. Um, And Lisa, you're actually, I say at the time of recording, this is your role, but actually you're moving on quite soon, aren't you? That's right, Nicola, I am. I'm moving on to Arm for ESG, very established global arm on ESG. So um, I'm really looking forward to that experience of seeing their journey and how far they've taken uh, ESG so far, especially how it relates to HR, not just, you know, as a subject matter for the business and one of their business pillars. Oh, it's so exciting, and I feel like you're—you've started a trend, or you're setting a trend with um, the overlap and the interlink between ESG and HR, which is what we're going to talk a bit more about today, which is fantastic. Um, so as we get going, could you just start off by just telling us a bit more about Audley and what you know, who you are, what you do? Yes, so um, Audley is a retirement organisation. It's where people buy their own apartments um, or properties. They have nearly 20 operating villages around the country. They recently opened their second brand, Mayfield in Watford, which is more of a mid-market brand. Um, It's very high-end. They're um, very luxury-focused retirement villages. I aspire to retire in any one of them myself. Fantastic. Thank you very much. So your profession is human resources, HR. And, you know, as we mentioned at the beginning, you've had a career spanning multiple industries. So how did you end up leading on ESG and why are you so passionate about it? Um, well, it's interesting, really, because um, I joined as a you know standard HR director role supporting um, Audley. But Audley, in terms of number of employees in it, the total business isn't that big. It's just under um, a thousand people. So although it's a very established brand and recognised and respected, it just doesn't employ a huge amount of people, particularly centrally. So we don't have ESG experts and there's lots of other functions and um, that are in a similar situation. So you end up with hybrid roles, hybrid opportunities. Um, and the story really is about three years ago is that Audrey took the decision that they wanted to embrace ESG as one of their business pillars. Um, they didn't want to employ an ESG specialist. We partnered with a, an organisation to help us on that journey. And, and, and I was volunteered for the job, which at the time I was quite nervous about because ESG, I understood the social responsibility element of ESG, but as a framework, it was new to me. 
And in year one, we didn't have a GRESP score, which is the external measure for how an organisation is doing. So um, it's a bit like working in the dark. So we submitted all our information to get a measure of, you know, how we ranked versus other organisations or were, were we significantly short of what GRESP expected in terms of um, evidence and behaviours that supported a strategy. And we did exceptionally well. We came out very very high in the rankings in the top 25 percentile and so that was really helpful and we introduced a, a framework but we overcomplicated the framework and that's probably my fault actually because in trying to develop my own understanding of ESG I think I put too much detail into that framework and we slipped back slightly um, to three stars on Grespy the following year and it was really painful it was painful for me it was painful for the business but we were still very high in the in the top 25% ranking, but we had slipped back. And it was probably the best thing that could have happened for us because it made us take it even more seriously and to understand it in even more detail and say, why, you know, what is it we're not doing um, or what should we be doing more of? So we simplified our framework and we asked people from the business to join that framework. So it didn't just really depend on someone leading ESG, but to begin to break it down into the relevant areas. Um, for example, development and construction, operations, engagement, both for our owners and for our team members. And this framework of people um, really helped our, us navigate our way through where we are at the moment, where we need to be if we want to achieve our goals, and stretch again aspirationally what we'd really like to be if we needed to be there or not. And so the next year of results, we, we have achieved that. So uh, we're only a few points off actually being five stars. So not only did we get back to our four star status, but only a, a very few points short of, of the um, top spot of five stars, which has been you know fabulous. Um, and our challenge now is to hold on to that and to carry on with the momentum against, you know, around the areas of, of high importance and to understand the analysis that comes with being measured externally. So that, that's the challenge now. Well, that's absolutely fantastic and really inspiring. And actually, I think it's it really resonates with me what you said about, um, you know, perhaps overcomplicating the framework and, and actually the challenges of falling back a bit. Because one of the things that a lot of organisations say to me when they're starting off on their ESG journey is you know we don't know where to start there's so much of it you know we can't we're not experts in all different areas because there's so many different elements that can come together in ESG so it's really I find it really inspiring to hear your honesty about the challenges in in achieving those those ratings and maintaining them um I suppose a question for a question about Audley specifically I mean as a retirement focused organization obviously a large part of the operation is real estate based property based um so you know people might think that your focus would be primarily on the s with sort of sustainability uh, as a sustainability focus so why do you think it's what's your view on why it's helpful for hr to be involved as the lead on esg i mean previously you've described it uh, on our trials tuesday i think you described it as a game changer Absolutely. And it is. It has been for me. That's been my experience and definitely, you know, inspired me to, to carry on with my interest in ESG professionally, if it be Audley, wherever. So um, I think HR 
has a social responsibility element. It's part of our DNA, you know, irrespective of any ESG strategy um, aspirations, if it's there to be developed or it's new and it's, you know, kind of in progress, it is part of our responsibility to recognise what our social responsibilities are. So for me personally, professionally, what I found really helpful about being the lead for ESG is it's kind of opened my eyes to finding a language where we can talk to people that they understand. It's a little bit different to traditional HR engagement language, perhaps, and um, things that really important, that really matter to people, that are really important to people. You know, I think COVID's made a big difference to people as well, you know, that they have an opinion on the way the world should be and what's important and they want to be heard. And I think what our setup with me being the lead has allowed is for a platform for people to see that we want to listen to people. We want them to come forward. We want them to be part of our strategy. Um, they don't need to necessarily know some of the technical language of GRESB or anything like that. But if you break it down into, you know, conversation matter, that is positioned in a way where people can all contribute, then I know from my experience of embedding um, our strategy and, and embedding it into our culture for all to be involved through the framework that that has worked and continue, continues to work. I mean, it has been a game changer in terms of people's interest, people coming forward and saying they want to be part of this framework, that you know they've taken on um, roles that are of interest to them. You know, For example, our DE&I space has just grown and grown and grown we have um, employed a DE&I specialist now in our business but she's created a framework behind her of people and this is a really good example because when you break ESG down and then to another level and then to another level people understand because it's simplified what bit they're joining in you know they're not taking on this you know strange language where they don't quite know what they're going to be talking about so we've we've actually had more volunteers of people that want to put themselves forward for things or to specialise, for example, in mental health, you know, trainer status than we need. But we would never turn anybody away. We've done a lot of work around LGBTQIA, men's health, mental health, you know, and we've embraced lots of celebration events, a recognition calendar way that were always on the agenda, but they were never linked to anything other than you know, we saw it as our social responsibility to acknowledge these things and, and you know, part of our proposition as a business and HR generally led them. But they're so much more connected now to this framework. And there's a lot of crossover between areas like, you know, customer engagement, employee engagement and these specialist subjects that sit under social responsibility. So my experience of being the ESG lead is that it's refreshed the way we communicate with team members and that we purposely provide an area or a subject matter where people come to us they meet us halfway so we have uh, tea talking points once a week quite difficult subjects sometimes you know people can see through our communication platform what we're going to talk about and um, we have quite a churn of different people's you know subject to what you know the matter is so you know we celebrated the Stephen Lawrence anniversary recently um, and obviously, there's lots of messages attached to that particular tea talking point um, subject matter that we chose, which you know varies from race to you know social responsibility and so on. And um, it was really quite overwhelming how many people saw that as an important conversation that they wanted to you know be heard, have an opinion on that matter, and 
challenge Audley about what we're doing around this space and, you know, what more we can do. And that was so incredibly helpful because it gave us inspiration for new ideas for the future on how much more we've got to do to make sure that we're not just tick boxing things that we think are important. But generally speaking, I think it's been a game changer because it's opened up lots of doors for us to talk to our business and they're not typically the HR stuff, traditional HR stuff. You know, we enter all sorts of conversations and subjects that vary from opening a new village and how that's going to be much so much more environmentally friendly, especially in the current economy um, situation. People are interested in that. They want to know what are we going to do to be socially responsible and proactively provide a way for it to be more cost effective for them to live with us and not just what's environmentally friendly. So, you know, our communication strength has just increased in every direction. And that's measured through our engagement survey with a 94% engagement, you know, and that's, you know, exceptionally high. So we're very pleased with that. I think it's so important without the people in your business you know there's there's nothing <laughs> and so you, what you're saying really resonates with my experiences as head of CSR at, at Trowers um we've actually been going through a, a review of our CSR strategy and we're shortly uh, going to be coming out with a, a refreshed strategy which we've actually rebranded as social impact and I've been so I mean I've always been inspired when leading on CSR by the the passion that our people have to to give back and to you know be socially responsible and to whether it's volunteering or fundraising or giving pro bono advice or whatever it is how you know how, how passionate they are and how engaged it makes them with the with the business you know at, at all levels in all disciplines um it's really inspiring but where it's a game changer for us is as well as engaging our people it also um, it forms the basis for be- even better engagement with our clients, you know, and those shared values and those shared responsibilities as, you know, as a responsible business ourselves, we want to work with other responsible businesses and it, you know, you can always achieve more um, between you, which are, so it really, really resonates. Um, I'm interested, I mean, you those engagement scores are phenomenal, you know, 94% is fantastic. Um, you know, would you say that your employees are kind of one of your, one of your biggest drivers, one of your biggest stakeholders on the ESG agenda, and have they kind of always been there, or is it has it changed since since you had your new framework? And... Um, so, the ninety four percent is our proud to work orderly um, engagement score. It's not. It's um, you know we have lots of measurements, but that does include ESG. Just so I'm, I'm honest about that, and we're exploring. We're exploring in more detail. First time this year, we're actually asking questions that completely relate to ESG, because I think the concern is that we think, based on some metrics and feedback, and you know our growth score that we're doing okay. But I think it would be very easy for it not to be with longevity as strong as we want it to be. So, um, you know, we want to drill down and check people's understanding. And you know, even though we've got all these strong measurements and it is gone very well is that actually the understanding is in quite a closed net so the people that do know about it and understand it are very complimentary the people that don't know about it can't say anything so our responsibility is to now to get to those people that don't know about it and make sure that they you know we're creating an inclusive culture uh, for them and not just 
you know, being pleased with the scores on the doors for the people that are perhaps closer to those business goals, because it is part of our culture. You know, it's, it's one of our business pillars. It's part of our business strategy. But that always comes back to culture to ensure that, you know, we have inclusivity for all of our team members if they're part time or they work remotely or work in villages. So that's the next challenge. But I think the I think we've definitely seen a difference in people, you know, taking an interest. People are talking about ESG, you know, I mean, they, I mean, some people do call it ESG, but some people don't mention ESG. And I actually sometimes prefer the people that don't mention ESG because it means that they're kind of locked and loaded on a particular subject or a campaign that we're following. And, you know, it, it makes me realise what's important when they, they're talking about a particular subject so we can think about more doing more around that particular area. When people start talking about ESG, kind of back to where I was three years ago, what bit of ESG are you talking about? Because it's such a broad subject that it's it's easy to call it ESG, but actually I know from my journey that you've got to get underneath that. Um, and it's probably quite healthy not to call it ESG. Oh, you're so right, actually. And um, one of the one of uh, the things that I always comes um, comes up when I'm talking to other HR professionals about ESG, you sort of sometimes get this slightly blank look. It's not a label or a term that is used much in in HR circles. But when you break it down into something that they recognise, like diversity and inclusion, or well-being, or you know, mental health, or uh, <clears throat> you know, these things which, as you say, are sort of traditionally more within the HR remit then they're kind of their eyes light up and they're like oh yes I get it um, yeah so it's interesting that perhaps in HR circles ESG is not necessarily the best label to use um, but I don't know what you think I think it is it's still important that HR professionals re- have the tools to understand ESG as a term and engage with it because it's so important that because of the importance of the people that HR are involved in are at the table for discussions about ESG and strategy around ESG is that would you agree with that I think so I mean I think um one of the learnings for me over the last three years is that you get so committed to this you know ESG project you know establishing it GRES you know and other other mechanisms that are there to make sure that you're doing the right things that you almost forget the obvious and that's to engage the people right in that team who you know need to understand because they're advocates of ESG they might not know it but they are so everything they're doing relates back to to this commitment that you've made as a business. So an example I would give you is the Audley Academy. You know, they've revamped, you know, enough all of their material from, you know, onboarding journey to mandatory training to referencing other areas to being um, broadening their menu of choices. Some things that weren't mandatory are now mandatory, for example, things around DE&I. So it's been a real influencer um, but obviously they need to understand what it means themselves to be able to adapt their material and their approach and how they can communicate that with confidence. You know, it, we've been quite radical with our academy as well. So one of our partners actually has become our DEI specialist in culture and ESG. And, you know, she often steps away from her traditional academy roles to, you know, facilitate some workshops and these tea talking points that I've explained to you. Um, and she is the face of our you know, ESG and culture, and she tends meetings from the most senior level to, you know, local local events that are going on. And she talks about culture and she talks, you know, very, very strong on storytelling so that it's not us telling people, talking at people, but really 
explaining stories where people can connect and understand. It's not like a latest thing that we want to do, but they can connect to it through personal choice. And um, it's been really effective. So uh, all, uh, including our reward mechanism, I would say. So our remote reward mechanism now, one of the KPIs is ESG. So, you know, uh, for people that qualify for, for those um, extra reward mechanisms is that it's so important that, you know, we want to achieve on that. So we have to do more work around that because otherwise it just because something as a KPI, do people really know what it means if that if we get this or we don't get it? They need to understand why it's on there. So you can never be complacent about this. You know, you think you've got somewhere because you've now got it on your reward mechanism. But actually, you know, if you went and scratched below the surface, would everybody know who qualifies for that? Why and what it means? What does success mean and, you know, not success? I think that's still something that needs to be strengthened for people to, you know, really be confident about it. So, again, that comes back to that traditional HR team, using your specialist, using your structure, making sure the people that educate people, that communicate to people, that put policies and, and mechanisms together, if it be traditional policies or reward policies, they actually know what they're talking about. Even if they're not part of the ESG structure, they have a role to play to making this work. I couldn't agree more. And you've summarised it and articulated it so beautifully. Um, I know it's really fantastic. Thank you, Lisa. Um, I could go on talking to you forever about this, but I won't. Um, That's just one final question from me. What would your top tips be for any HR professionals you know, who might be listening to this who are just getting started on their ESG journey? Um so, I mean, there's a few things I would say, really, is that, um, you know, I, if I'm really honest, I was, I was, I felt a bit naive going into it. I didn't really know what I was taking on. And, you know, at times I probably thought, you know, why have I signed up to this? You know, have I got the short straw and, you know, I've got enough to do. But, you know, and I'm honest about that because it, it was such a naive thing to say. You know, it's just been the most in, biggest influencer for me in professional engagement on to really challenge you know, my experience, my, you know, my long career of this is the, what we need to be thinking about, the way we need to do things. It's been a major influencer on, on me uh, and for me and probably opened up some doors for me as well. And, you know, I feel that and I've had that feedback from, you know, people that I work very closely with. And I think not to be hard on yourself, you know, take baby steps towards it. You know, you know, it could feel like a sort of a goldfish swallowing a shark otherwise, you know, and it doesn't need to be that way. You know, just break it down into small chunks and set yourself goals that, you know, you're going to give yourself some time to understand and absorb and have a good partner, whatever that looks like. If it's, you know, you're using resources from, you know, relevant websites or you've got an external partner that you can invest in and work alongside that will coach you and tell you where to begin. And there's some good courses that you can go on that are very, very um, basic that if, if that's the right way for you to learn. We were fortunate to have partners, which, you know, I've stayed very closely to um, and done the majority of my learning from. But, you know, it's, um, you know, there was nothing worse for me in my first year of taking the school backwards, you know, like, you know, it was one of those situations where, you know, I could, I could have perhaps said this isn't right for me and given it to someone else. But you know what, it was the best thing that happened for me, because I was so frustrated that I didn't understand, I didn't understand how it could go backwards, what did we do differently. And so I think, you know, um, that's really motivated me to break it down, make it simple and think of it as a kind of a HR area rather than something else. And think if this was, 
you know, if this was anything in the in a usual, you know, traditional way in HR, I would know exactly what to do and I wouldn't be panicking. So that is important not to panic and to and to enjoy it because, you know, it's a really interesting space. There's lots of synergy between all of the areas of um, ESG and HR and, and it's a really great platform to talk to partners throughout the business that don't sit in HR. It's a you know communal conversation. It's a business-led conversation. It's not a HR conversation and people appreciate it and they're interested in seeing that relationship and that conversation uh, evolve from more traditional conversations they might have had. So they would probably be off the top of my head a few things that I would definitely recommend to think about. Thank you so much um it's been absolutely fascinating to talk to you um today i really appreciate you taking the time to record this thank you to anyone that wants to hear more um about hr and esg or responsible business we've had we had a month on trowers tuesday at the end of last year on responsible business and the responsible employer with a focus on uh, well-being in particular and we also had a summer of inclusivity last year as well so we have a we have an annual inclusivity month on Travis Tuesday so lots and lots of different topics those recordings are all available online we'll share some of the links in the comments to this podcast and if you're interested in hearing more you can sign up for invitations to future Travis Tuesdays and we'll also share the link to our employer of the future report which has more thoughts from us on being an inclusive employer and being a responsible employer. Lisa thank you again for today it's been absolutely fantastic and lots of luck for your new role. Thank you you're welcome thank you very much. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at trowers.com And join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.